0: The Cyber Minutes podcast is for educational purposes only. The views expressed by hosts and guests are their own, not necessarily their employers. Advice discussed is general advice. We promote ethical discussions, not illegal activities. Listen responsibly. Welcome back to the Cyber Minutes podcast. We have Flynn, Flynn, and myself, Max, as always. Let's jump right into it. MFA. Let's go from kind of a corporate angle. If you can't do it, what controls can you have in place to make your, your systems equally as secure as having it?
1: Yeah, so I think there's multiple ways you can go about it. There's one method which, if you have sort of a corporate bubble, like an MDM system, you could potentially ban that application on devices and then only allow that application if you're going through, say, like a jump server or something like that. Mm. What, if, that what do you mean by application? So so let's just make an example. Um, I don't know the chair application doesn't allow... them. Um, doesn't allow MFA. So you can just completely ban that application on that Mm -hmm. and then say, but then allow it on this other device. But to get to that device, you have to authenticate through through it. So like
0: have a a precursor step that requires... Yeah, exactly.
1: So then that way you have to jump through there, but you have to use MFA to get there and then it's going to be blocked on your devices anyway. Yeah. I'd say that's one way you could do it. Um, Another way you could do it is just being more stringent with password controls it's not perfect but having say like normally if passwords change every six months maybe lowering that to
0: one month it's not perfect but i think think one month is probably right on the limit of not having like that fatigue that you get yeah changing your passwords every so often and the issue is once you're doing it any sooner than one month, I think everyone's just going to be doing...
1: Yes, password. I think it gets one, worse. Yeah, ...password,
0: two on the end of it, three... And then they the away from three times ago because it didn't remember it. Yeah, exactly. I think so, it gets worse. It's a... I, think, I think probably one, maybe two months is probably... I think one months. is the minimum. But um,
1: I would not recommend one on regular applications. I would only say one in those very particular instances... One thing I will say about MFA as well is that, at least with a lot of smaller organizations, I've been seeing that they'll usually have MFA across the board, and particularly if you're assessing against something like Essential, you have to have MFA for all your employees, but there's always the two or three people who refuse to have it. Okay. I think that's, in the modern age where we're getting to, I think that's becoming a real problem, especially because I think we're getting to the point where Everybody should be using MFA and it's kind of like if someone
0: doesn't want to do it I think we'll we'll jump to that in a second, but I think that another thing that you probably could do if you don't have MFA is have some smart Azure or whatever cloud system you're using, some smart conditional access policies in place. So they're gonna detect whether you whether someone's logging in, in a in a perfectly normal scenario or if there's anything anomalous about their logging in. So that means maybe they're, you know, not logging in from a regular time or something. Yeah. Or like geo-fencing or something. Geo-fencing, yeah. IPv6 makes it a little bit more difficult because a lot of things are moving now and you can't really geo IPv6 that easily, from my understanding. Oh, he was actually unaware of that. So, yeah, okay. yeah. So <laughs> I think that one of the parts of IPv6 is that your geolocation is more hidden, harder to distinguish, which makes... Okay certain conditional access policies and certain geo blocking really, really annoying and really difficult. Which is one of the it's meant to be better for the customer, which or what for the private individual, which it is, but it also means on the corporate end, if we're trying to geo block China or Russian accounts, which, you know, most of the time they're gonna be running a VPN anyway. But if we're trying to do that, it makes it more difficult. Yeah. But yeah, so conditional access, login times, login locations, login applications, MAC addresses, what is the expected like OS of someone if they're suddenly logging in from Ubuntu, right? <laughs> when they're normally on Windows 10, that's obviously something that is gonna prompt some additional level of uh, of suspicion. Yeah, of, of course. So jumping back to what I think you're about to start saying is you should really be having MFA though. Like these things are all good, but these are really best used in conjunction with MFA. And I think if you don't have MFA, then you're at a pretty big disadvantage for that.
1: Yeah, I think we're getting to a point where MFA is standard and it's best good. practice, yeah. thankfully, because it is such a fantastic tool that is such commonplace now. Yeah. But yeah, it's hard to say how you get these people on board. Obviously, they're usually older people that aren't really tech savvy. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, that gets phased out in the following years once people get more and more used to this stuff pretty easy now really there's there's a lot of providers that yeah there's there's really no excuse behind it um i think you've these people you kind of do have to have a sit down with them and say like look i know it's a pain in the ass but you gotta do it yeah, yeah.
0: It, it, like the, the human factor of oh, i can't really be bothered is is really a huge weak leak
1: yeah i mean like, learning things in like this tech sphere i think i know it's very hard for a lot of people it's hard for me sometimes but there's just certain subset of things in this modern blog where you really you you can't go without learning them really
0: yeah and like as obviously the baseline is going to keep moving up yeah of course and
1: we're going to be those people one day (laughs) exactly yeah
0: (laughs) can't stay young forever so yeah obviously they're going to be a bit of an issue but what I was saying is like the ease of use for a lot of MFA apps are really quite good so even if it's Microsoft Authenticator where you literally just click the app and just log into your phone normally and that runs the MFA or even text messaging. Most text People... messaging's not as good though. Not as good, but also that's a, that's one that works. And
1: with a lot of our, like essentially it's not very requirement, like you can still be compliant using SMS, mm-hmm. but we always recommend like SMS can be exploited very easily still. It's better than nothing, but uh, there's a lot of ways. I think you can even intercept the traffic I think you could do that pretty easily but you can also just easily manipulate someone like hey give you a we'll give you the text message yeah hey, on Telstra uh, it's it's notoriously been insecure for a while if you can't kind of any other method I suppose it's better than nothing but it's not ideal mm. but at the same time ease of access uh, isn't great for MFA either because one like once you get the password to somebody's account and you
0: start spamming MFA a lot of people are going to sort of approve MFA without thinking about, about it. a lot. Yeah, we do. Uh, that's kind of the issue. So that's that's a really good point. The Microsoft and kind of started tackling this with their number matching. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good one. I was going to say we saw
1: an incident recently with a guy and they were going through a security change of, of their IT infrastructure. I can't remember exactly what it was, but he was getting a lot of different requests for MFA. So it was just natural and somebody kept spamming him and he not thinking about it, he just accepted it and then that was when the breach happened the best method is the from what i understand is the one where it makes you log in and it gives you the couple of numbers and then you have to type it
0: in yeah obviously you can also use like biometrics and stuff but that's a bit hard it's, it's even if you you know begrudgingly go oh it's like you get very mfa exhausted and you hit accept it's so then they're gonna say okay what com- numbers are you seeing on the computer yeah and know. actually no, you go oh shit
1: actually i did hear another incident <laughs> where somebody it was three in the, in the morning they were at a conference in another country mm. and they rolled over in their bed and they just clicked it not even thinking about it because in the middle of the night so it's <laughs> shot Um it yeah it's the best method is that one we said where
0: it gives it prompts you with the number that you have to put in but then so yeah I guess text messaging has sort of been doing that for a while but combining the the usefulness of having that. Information that you normally pass through text messaging, but now through and a secure application on your phone is probably, like you said, probably the best.
1: Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to relook at why SMS is insecure, but I know it's no, there's there's, there's, there's heaps of it's, reasons. It's, yeah, I think the big part, that, uh, to my understanding, is that SMS is quite secure, but it's just why do SMS when you have this super secure method of mat- number matching? No, I think it's actually not secure. Yeah, <laughs> there there are ways to get get by it. But you like the stars need to align still in
0: many cases, but the stars do align. Yeah. So the other thing interesting that's, that's bringing up and coming in text messages, is it still possible to reach out to telcos and easily impersonate someone using just an email address and a phone number? Cause I haven't heard about them all the time, but I've seen a few cases of people's phone numbers that I've actually previously known to be hacked and are um, sending me now spam notifications it's i mean it's definitely
1: possible i haven't heard about it recently but even besides i I think that's gonna be it's gonna be easier in a sense that you might not be able to give them your phone number or your birth date and maybe it's a bit difficult now but something that i've been seeing a lot of telcos do which i'm actually not a fan of is they've been doing a lot of voice recognition and Mm -hmm. we know that I mean, a lot of the time you see people call you up and then they instantly hang up. A lot of the time they're just trying to get your voice. They're trying to get the hello. Yeah. So then they can, well, we know how good voice cloning's becoming.
0: Well, what's that, what's the the Apple one that there, there's like a new feature? It was either Apple or Google or Microsoft that had a working prototype and it was like if it listens to you for, I think it was 30 seconds of unique audio. So not words like the, but if you're saying sentences, so 30 seconds, I think they're able to construct a. Like an eighty percent realistic.
1: Oh, there's there's heaps of morals online now. Mm-hmm. Um, I was using one recently, which sounds a bit counterproductive because I'm saying <laughs> don't do it. But I mean, we're doing a podcast, so someone, everyone has our voice out there. Yeah, I think it's called Resemble AI, where it does a similar thing. It wasn't perfect because I didn't want to give it, it a ton of. I think I did like twenty five samples or something like that. And it was it was pretty decent. Really, I think oh, it was from your voice. Yeah, from my voice. Wow. I used it in um, a training slide that Flynn was able to hear, and it was wasn't perfect. Like Flynn could tell that it was AI, but we did other that it was, did, it was M, yeah, yeah, and that, that I actually tricked someone
0: to, Yeah, to, so that, that that even that uncovers an entire new part of impersonation where it's not just telcos, right? That's you, you're going to be much easier to. Potentially, like breach and compromise people with that as well. Yeah, yeah. So you did uh, go through that extra vector. Of yeah, going through the telco, you could just, you know, call someone's boss, to find their phone number.
1: Yeah, this is. There's something I've covered in training recently. um Is that it's going to be increasingly difficult to verify who someone is over the phone. One of the main methods I would say that's really good is just having two points of communication. Yeah, it's almost like a personal MFA where you kind of have to be personal one-on-one with someone but if Max calls me on my phone and it sounds a little bit suspicious he's asking for something weird send I can just email. send him a message on whatever platform Discord mm-hmm. yeah. and then if he goes hey that's not me there you go there was a case in um in America where someone was cloning a daughter's voice trying to basically get some ransom I think they were set trying to convince them that they were kidnapped Yeah, and then the dad was very gonna go pay it or whatever and then the mum did a due diligence called the called the kid and turned out it was turned out it was not them so yeah it's gonna be increasingly difficult to
0: verify yeah so a couple of years ago when i started uni and i started hearing about this stuff i went from i used to try and like talking to people who are obviously scammers on the phone and just playing along and playing dumb but honestly nowadays i my greeting has gone from highest max whatever to uh, to literally just me- I just say hello on the phone now and yeah. just wait for the wait for the other end to, to give it a yeah least verbal feedback as possible
1: yeah I, I only really say like hi this is Flynn if I know who it's coming from nowadays yeah it's okay. but, but it... then do you need to say hi this is Flynn if you know them oh uh, well for an example today I knew I was getting a call from a client I don't personally right. know them but I knew that it was coming through so I said yeah yeah I mean, yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean sure. they so you have passphrases for your close friends or family too. Passphrases. I said banana in the in oh. or something like that. In the, in the I mean, that's, that's probably the, a pretty good message. That, yeah, yeah the, the only problem is it's like if somebody gets a hold of like a whole conversation, like why did they just say banana? Yeah, so that's right. uh, this goes back to another thing with if somebody's going to that effort, they're gonna get you Not. Yeah, uh, yeah the passphrase might be a way to kind of like a little bit of a secret handshake. Yeah. I'm not sure if we can actually maybe there needs to be an improvement in technology and stuff like that, but I don't, I have no idea and how that you would address change? it. Is that what you're thinking? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to say. I think we've, we've spoken in the past about how insecure things like email and even phone calls are. And I don't know yeah. if there's a way to get, maybe companies can do something like that where they give you sort of like a digital key. But yeah, the issue is, is that the, the phone, the phone network is sort of built off the telephone, I mean, like, Old school, like eighties yeah. telephony uh, network, and that's that was very insecure. But there was no need for security because nobody was like smart enough to exploit it. Really, probably don't um, even think of it. Yeah, they didn't even think of it. And I think the same goes with the with the tap, the SMS thing. um And only now with like iMessage I are they sort of building it up off off this network onto onto Wi Fi. Yep. But even then, the ID is still attached to your phone number. Yep. Yeah. And then there's the other problem, as we said before. Imagine trying
0: to get Everyone off of phone calls. It's just not realistic. No, not true. Sure all. all right, maybe we'll move on a little bit. So, just as a closing note, if you're a customer using a product that doesn't have MFA, maybe it's time for a new product.
1: Yeah, I think it's a red flag. If there is an alternative,
0: I would recommend looking at it. Yeah. Sometimes there's not, which is unfortunate. Yeah. You don't mean to shout out anyone, but come make. Yeah. You know, get your shit together. So if you're a customer of Combank, there's still very limited MFA capabilities yeah. for your
1: I think it's a common thing in banking in general in Australia, which is unfortunate. Yeah. we yeah. we have speculations, but we've no we have no idea why it's not commonplace. Yeah. But um Yes. also, yeah, keep your dependence low if you if you can't use MFA, like don't use it as much as you can. Only use it for what's absolutely necessary, really. Yeah, is it using it like, like no, no, like the the service itself. Like, say, say you're using a service and it provides some has some code MFA. If you can mm. keep your dependence on that, so
0: it's low. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, exactly, hundred percent.
1: Or give it as least amount of data
0: as possible. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So you're like ex- it, you're, it's going to be um breached at some point. If there's you know minimal controls in the there in the first place, use the burner emails. <laughs> <laughs> That's a classic. Yeah, make sure to use. You know first name dot last name plus five that's another good one <laughs> see where the emails are coming from so we're going to move on so strategies for combating phishing in the modern world how do we personally go about it so moderate phishing has gotten a lot more advanced a lot more sophisticated in my own experience with the prevalence of things like chat gpt and large language models that are coming out we're seeing that phishing is getting easier to mass-produce for people with less knowledge of speaking English? Like um, we've all probably had a bit of experience in phishing. What are some things that we personally do to make sure that the phishing isn't... You know, make sure that we're not responding to phishing emails or clicking the links by accident. Might pass this one to Flynn for a sec.
1: Yeah, Um. so I think even though it has gotten better, a lot of hitting the foundational stuff is still going to be number one. Yeah. I think... If something sounds too good to be true, it, it is. And it is. Yep. you don't have a Nigerian prince-uncle, it's not It's <laughs> not a thing. And, do uh, people still fall for that? I'm sure. You- I mean, people still do it, so it's got to happen. As we said, setting up multiple forms of communication is another big one.
0: Yep. So um, um, something that I might just add a little bit on that is some visual elements as well are still important, especially in email, so you can still tell if the... If you if you're expecting an email from a company like Westpac, they have people to make sure that their emails, all of the format is right with the buttons and everything. It looks all pretty and perfect. If it's dodgy and it looks sketchy, then it probably is, and it's probably not <laughs> yeah. legitimate.
1: Yeah, I think urgency is a big one as well. If someone's trying to make you do something quickly, that's a big red flag. Someone's trying to make you basically make you slip up and click something and not think about it always go to a website don't click a link even if it seemed legitimate like for example toll I use toll because it's such a common scam and also I think toll is not very good in their actual text messages they seem like scam messages yeah uh just go to the actual website don't click the link and then you can just tell yeah I don't know my, my approach is keep my emails to a minimum really like I'm 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 not trying to receive emails too much and I, I granted my in my line of work I don't get too many emails but even in my personal life i i try to keep my subscriptions to a minimum i don't want people emailing me at all yeah. um and yeah same same thing as you guys like don't don't click links just just go to the website and if that and check the notifications or whatever it is there you know i suppose another problem is is that it's not limited to emails especially with us being at like the start of our careers linkedin is mm-hmm. a real pivotal part of our connections networking and that's just, I see it all the time as fishing on LinkedIn. Like, oh, do you want to do this? Sometimes it's actually hard to, 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 to distinguish. Sometimes, like, oh, I've got this crazy job offering. I don't know if that's legitimate or not. <laughs> um, but always be suspicious from the get-go, I think, is a massive thing. Yeah, I don't know if it's fishing or not, but I used to get a lot of um, messages from people on LinkedIn talking about uh, wanting to Allah. hook me up with their mentor and like start an e-commerce business yeah. and... And they're always like, oh, it's free. It's all, it's, you know, a separate stream wow. of income." So yeah. I have no idea. I didn't entertain it that far, but you know, it was just, you know, it's the, it, the first one seemed legitimate because it was coming from some guy who was supposedly hired for a company and it looked very legitimate. And I, I was, I was believing it for a bit, but it took me to like maybe the third or fourth message where I was like, no, nah, this is obviously bullshit. Yeah. God. I think LinkedIn actually has a massive problem. We had a client recently that was saying. You can just say you're from a company on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Only the, really the big companies, you, they give you like a token, mm-hmm. but not every company can get that. And this was like a fairly big government, uh, government entity. They were pretty important. And they had just some random people in France saying they worked for them. Yeah. And um, it's, yeah, it's
0: not great. So for an exercise I did, actually, I had to create a fictional character. I wouldn't use the name of the fictional character I made. However, I added him to a... a organization that I didn't think would mind and I gave him a bogus sort of job name and he was actually up the account was up I nothing happened to it it was up for about a week before it got deactivated and well even though it was a bogus job like anyone who actually worked from the organization would be able to know it's not real it's just someone you know trying to use it as an exercise or whatever but you know say if you're really trying to impersonate someone it's very easy it's very easy and your accounts aren't going to get instantly removed from LinkedIn, it's going to take probably a week.
1: I've even been guilty of this, is that you kind of look at their following list, like, oh, they've got a lot of followers, maybe yeah. they're real, but it's realistically easy to just get a, bunch of, or get a bunch of bots to just add you. 100%. Um, I think another big thing with phishing, though, is just trusting your gut. I think yeah. it's, it's not obvious a lot of the time, but if something feels off, it's probably off. Yeah, even not trusting your gut, trusting just general skeptics is...
0: Yeah. So, so what I kind of, my strategy, I, I've kind of impl- employed a little bit is in terms of my text messages and my emails from companies, I pretty much don't even open anything that I wasn't expecting really. I There, there are some cases where you look at it and you go, okay, maybe this one's true, but if there's a message from Westpac or from ComBank or from Toll, right? If you weren't expecting it, just ignore it because it, 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 it's, it's kind of very likely to be bullshit especially if they're trying to demand something from you and i've actually just pulled up a list from microsoft's protect yourself from phishing page and the key kind of areas which they they pull upon for phishing of any kind is an urgent call to action or threats which is what we just talked about if it's the first time or it's an infrequent sender if it's spelling and bad grammar if it's got generic greetings so just hey mismatched email domain. So if you try and inspect the email domain and it's not consistent, that yes. uh, can usually be spoofing. If it's got suspicious links or unexpected attachments as well as the last one there. So if any of the, your kind of communications are having at least a couple of these, then it's very it's very likely that it's gonna be just fake.
1: Yeah, back to links and emails as well. I think that a common thing people used to do a while ago was that they would look at the link and if it looked like a legitimate link, it was like, oh, okay. Well, this is legitimate. Yeah. Um, what people don't think about a lot of the time is that there's often redirects. Yeah. So if you're looking at the, if you're hovering over the link of it, sometimes it will just give you the first one. Yeah. But sometimes that's just a redirect to something else,
0: yeah. and then that's the malicious
1: um, link.
0: Very good. All right. So moving on. So file formats. What are some of the dangerous ones, and which ones fly under the radar the most easily? Well, we obviously know that downloading exes is probably the worst farm on that. <laughs> yeah. You're, if you're on a website and you see an exe pop into your browser tab, then you might be in a little bit of trouble. But there are actually, you guys have just told me this, this is kind of news to me, that the, a very common one is wax. I don't what think it's called?
1: common, but I think it's just uncommon that people realise there's a lot of, there is a lot of file types that can be malicious. Mm, yep. Um, as Flynn was saying, a lot of malware is just hidden in headers yeah files you wouldn't expect it like back in my early days of like learning about computers and computing and software i thought you know a png is just raw data it's just ones and O's. but no actually a lot of the headers like it has a header section where it defines a lot of metadata and and presumably some ways for the computer to interpret the actual data and and you know these instructions on how to interpret the actual data can maybe extend beyond just how to interpret the data? Actually, things that your computer should do. I'm not exactly sure of the details, but I know that um, there are PNG exploits out there. And you said there's yeah. lab exploit. It's honestly the majority of them. <laughs> there's a ton of them. I think that I would say with organizations is if you don't need a particular file type, just ban it. Mm. Just make just block the file yeah, type in general. Yeah, that's. A- I think it's a massive thing with applications in general. Is that if you don't need something, just don't use it. Uh, Macros is a big one where a lot of people don't use macros or it's a very particular subset of people in an organization. Just set up a group policy so only those people can use macros under set conditions. And then you can't have a macro execute on your environment if you can't even use macros.
0: Yeah. It might be a good thing to just kind of run a brief brief overview of what a macro actually is. Mm. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, so I guess a macro is just um, take a set of actions that you do in, let's say, so the place we use macros most often is an Excel spreadsheet or a Word word document. Take anything you do in a Word document, typing a word, you know, formatting and coloring a section of the document or creating a table. A macro can do all these things in sequence extra fast with you just clicking one button. And, you know, the scary thing is that macros can do more. They, they, they can be backed up onto, like, Full blown uh, programming languages like Basic or C sharp. Um, and you know, one, once you've got Basic or C sharp running, uh, the possibilities sort of grow endless. The problem with macros and stuff like that is they're just too powerful. Yeah. So yeah. They can do too much. And yeah. if a malicious person gets their hands on that, they
0: can. Well, they get their hands on an account that is able. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now, that's- also, as- and this is amazing for power users of of Word and Excel, and and for anybody who really wants to up their productivity. But there is a big scare when you get macros; you you can't trust a macro. Yeah. The the idea of macros is that you write your own and don't do much else. Yeah. Or uh, there's you can use digital signatures and trusted publishers and stuff like that. Or if you have macros, just making sure they run on a sandbox environment beforehand. Yeah. Uh, there's ways around it, but. At the end of the day, if you don't need it, just yeah. disable it. Yeah. And that goes with all file types. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most people don't use Macro, so just, yeah. As a company, it, um, it makes sense. goes with everything. If you're not using a port, close it. It's yeah. Simple. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. Other file types. This isn't really file types, but um, off this, in, in sort of the area of cybersecurity that most people don't think about. Yeah. Package managers. I mentioned that a little bit before. This is a big issue in in software development, I think. One of my first projects that I worked on, this was um, a web development project sort of thing, and we were using Node.js and NPM. And I remember seeing we had hundreds of vulnerabilities. So NPM is a package library manager. It provides you code from online, and and it prevents you from having to write more code for your web app. Um, Other people have written it for you. The issue is oh, people can write code that isn't good or is entirely malicious but yeah with this project there was hundreds of vulnerabilities um on the weekend and then as you got like not the weekend as in the days on the like weak vulnerabilities and then there were media like tens of medium vulnerabilities and i think like maybe 10 extreme vulnerabilities and you know i asked about this because like this is a little Rabbit. concerning i want to know i want to know what this means i don't i wasn't exactly sure on what phone what vulnerabilities referred to at that point. Um, like, was it a vulnerability in that the code could fail, or was it a vulnerability in that somebody could exploit it? And, you know, they were like, oh, don't worry about it. doesn't cause any problems in the, in, in the development. It's fine. And, you know, my perspective
0: there has changed a lot. It's fairly, fairly lax.
1: Was this a... Yeah. Yeah, was this... I assume this was in uni as well. Uh, yeah, so I've got a project I'm working on at uni, and yeah, where we're starting to get those npm vulnerabilities creep in. Yeah, yeah, This isn't really something I'm going to care about too much for uni, but it's something that I'm conscious of as as software engineer that yeah. I think it goes back to what you were saying the other week, where a lot of software engineering education just doesn't seem to be security focused. Yeah, it could not. Me. Where sure, like maybe it's going to blockade on your assignment or your project, but even just addressing that, hey, we can use this for now, but This is actually a massive issue and you can't use this in a production,
0: actual production environment. It's like, it's like having, uh, using vulnerable imports as well into your code, right? It's like the same, same thing. Yeah,
1: it's exactly the same thing. This is all libraries we're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a big sort of area. I think a lot of people are like
0: completely uncautious about comes into the importance of, you know. Having things like NPMs and static code analysis, dynamic code analysis to make sure that the code that you're putting into your products is not dodgy. It doesn't contain any dodgy malware in it as well. Great. Well, uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the Cyber Minutes Podcast with Clint, Flynn, and myself. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Just a reminder that the Cyber Minutes podcast is for educational purposes only. The views expressed by hosts and guests are their own, not necessarily their employers. Advice discussed is general advice. We promote ethical discussions, not illegal activities. Have a cybersecurity question? Send an email to cyberminutespodcast at gmail.com as we'd love to answer it. Stay cyber safe.